I'm Dan Gregson. And I'm Mike Gregson. Welcome to Come Towards the Light, the podcast. Our goal is to find everyday people who are delightful. These people have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. We want to know their stories and what makes them delightful. We will uncover the life experiences our guests have been through, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand delight, one has to be acquainted with the dark. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find light, which leads to our greatest delights? Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast, where we are interviewing one of my dearest friends for my entire life and probably my bodyguard growing up in grade school. We're talking to Jeffrey Stephen Knight today, Dr. Jeff Knight. He is phenomenal. And talk about a guy that's lived a life of service to others. He is a special man. He lives with delight, and he has a light about him. So we are thrilled to talk to Jeff about his experiences as a chiropractor and also going through some tragedies in life when he was younger, losing a sister, uh, going through some very difficult times, and just what he learned through those things, such as service and how to get outside of himself and surrounding yourself with the right people. So hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Before we even start, what I want to do, this has kind of become our thing. This is Sunny Delight. And this is what we find to be delightful. So, <laughs> so when we're you gotta get your bill of sunny. That's D, right, sunny D. So sunny delight. So to help us remind ourselves of why we're talking today, delight. Um, you can have a swig of sunny D every once in a while for the delight. There you so, go. There you go, man. Eventually, uh, we'll have that sponsorship down. Yeah, right. It's always good. To, <laughs> it's always good to have that for your face. So today. Um, um, today we're talking to a very dear and close friend of mine and, and Dan's as well. Just the Gregson family all together. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Stephen Knight. Full name. There all. you go. Jeff, Jeff Knight. Um, and, and, and Jeff is, you know, throughout my life, um, Jeff has been someone that I have looked up to and always thought of as, is very delightful. Um, just somebody who's always giving back somebody who's trying to pick up a brother or sister and help them out along the way. And, you know, obviously, um, not trying to say perfect, uh, cause we've all been through our struggles, right, Jeff? Not but even close. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, I, but I, I've always looked up to you and, and I've admired the man that you are and, and I find you to be somebody that I look to. And, and that's a, that's a great motivation for me and someone that I can look to as a, um, someone who just really, you know, provides a good example of, of what I think life can be. And and so the idea and the reason that we wanted to interview you, Dan and I, is because we, we what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect the audience that listens to this podcast with delight and 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 to hear stories from people who really do have delight and what, what they've experienced in their lives to really find, you know, that delight or that light in their lives. Um and so that's why we wanted to talk to you today, and, and we appreciate you for coming and joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Love being with you guys. You're a stud, <laughs> man. So um, anyway, that said, Jeff, is there anything, I guess, take a second to yeah. just tell us about you and where you're at, what you do professionally. Just tell us about you, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, am blessed to be married to uh, a wonderful woman, my best friend. Her name's Ashley. We are fortunate to have six kids. 
two boys and four girls and um and i was an insta dad Mm -hmm. so the two boys uh were already in the picture so i got the three for one special you know (laughs) um and the four girls came came later so um with uh, ashley and myself and so we are fortunate to just have a lot of fun it's crazy life is wild and raising teenagers is incredibly difficult um, never knew that that would be a challenge uh, until you're in it. Of course, you hear about the stories. <laughs> so we've got ages from 16 to, to four. Oh, well. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's been, been kind of a wild ride so far. But as a professional, um, I'm a chiropractor and I run my own practice. I actually, and you guys don't know this, I'm actually opening a second um, practice and it's actually going to be a nonprofit. No way. And it's specific to serving kids with autism. So um, so I have the chiropractic side, which is kind of what you would expect with the chiropractic practice. A lot of um, muscles, joints, chronic pain, um, a lot of nutrition, uh, gut health, detoxification. And then um, I've got some pretty cool tools and, uh, you know, resources as far as how to help people obtain optimal health. Um, I do some functional neurology stuff. And, um, and then with autism, uh, just, it's a pretty, um, all encompassing approach to looking at the body in a pretty unique way. Um, trying to help remove interference like, uh, toxins. I already mentioned that, but, um, balancing the nervous system and, uh, just making sure that they have the right types of foods to, to help uh, support them. And, and one of the big things of, you know, that whole journey there is, Really, uh, um, I've seen firsthand with two stepsisters of mine. They both have kids with autism. One that's pretty on the pretty high end, uh, um, high functioning, and the other one that's very low functioning, uh, nonverbal. Um, you know, has to have you know constant care, and and seeing that really kind of touched my heart in the sense of the impact on the child, but also on the family. And knowing that when I'm serving a child with autism, I'm serving the whole family because if there's anything I can do to make that child's life easier, I know it's going to make the whole family's life a little bit easier too. So, and, you know, realistically, it's not something I really chose. Um, You know, it was one of those things where uh, God was tapping on my shoulder and has been for for years. Um, And so I've I've slowly listened more and more. as uh, I've kind of stepped into that role. So, so yeah, I just uh, submitted my papers for the IRS and now it's just waiting for the nonprofit status. And then, uh, I'm going to get things rolling specifically for that. I've already worked with a lot of kids with autism. Um, but people don't think of a chiropractor as someone that's going to work with a kid with autism. So, um, just to separate the two, I just realized I need to have two, two entities, you know? Um, so I've got my true North, chiropractic and wellness center which is in Kaysville, utah and um i'll be doing the um, autism wellness center of utah is the other one that you can look for and is that going to be located in Kaysville? it's going to be i'm just going to have it um piggyback on top of the space i'm in now for for the time being and i'm just going to i've got an extra room where i'll be able to just kind of have that be you know the spot to do it so what was the like what was the connection that that was the connection with you and autism but what was the connection of like chiropractic wellness to autism like how how did you figure out 
that you could provide a service there or benefit? Well, you know, depending on how much you know about chiropractic, it's it's a pretty versatile um, mm-hmm. profession in the sense that, I mean, really, there's so many ways we can influence the body in a positive way. And um, so chiropractic, traditionally, most people know of it as the crack them, you know, get the neck mm-hmm. and back adjusted. It hurts, man. It hurts. <laughs> send, send them on their way. Um, and, you know, and that's all about aligning the spine and um, adjusting. And- yeah. And making sure the nervous system's working right. Cause you know, the spine houses the central nervous system, right? You got mm-hmm. your spinal cord and all that. And so there's some powerful things that you can even do just through adjustments. And and so I think, you know, I think that because of how versatile it is, because, you know, as chiropractors, we tend to look at the body in a whole holistic view mm-hmm. and, and not just like looking at the shoulder and being the shoulder specialist or looking at the liver and being the liver specialist or the endocrinologist or whatever. But looking at how everything comes together and how the body is is so intertwined and and truth, truly how we all have what we call in chiropractic an innate intelligence or that innate wisdom which our body knows how to heal itself sure Mm -hmm. you know i mean how many times you you or your kids you know get a cut and sure enough a few weeks later it's all healed up right or if i eat something you know um how does my body know to deliver those nutrients to the exact place you know it goes right to my gut but Mm -hmm. then what well you know the body innately just knows like oh you know, my big toe needs this today, you know, or whatever, <laughs> or whatever. Right. So, um, you know, that's the thing you got to look at is the body is just amazing. It's an incredible creation and it's so wise. And so, um, with chiropractic, you know, we look at the body as a whole. And so, so it's all about, okay, what is the potential thing that's creating the interference from someone to be able to be their best self? Mm-hmm. And, and so I feel like there's a lot of connections spirit with spirituality here. Um, you know, and there's so many connections just in, in general, when it comes to wanting to live life to the fullest, it's like, what kind of habits do I have right now that are keeping me from being my best self? And, and so I look at the human body in a way of like, okay, why is someone still suffering with these ailments? And in this case with autism, honestly, the first time I received this inspiration from God, I was like, how the heck do you expect me to do this? Like I was completely like, and, and to be honest, I kind of just pushed it aside. And the first time I received that prompting was literally two weeks after I graduated chiropractic school. No and this was in December of 2012. Yeah. And, and I was up in the middle of the night giving my daughter a bottle. Um, and I was just sitting there and it was just like the, the enlightenment, the spirit hit me. And it's just like, you know what, Jeff, you got to help and serve these kids. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, how am I going to do that? So. Um, anyways, I'm a chiropractor. <laughs> what, like what button do I push? Yeah. Here to fix? yeah. <laughs> but so I just pushed that aside and then he, you know, God's so patient with all of us. And mm-hmm. that's one of the greatest traits that I'm grateful for. Um, I would say about 11 months later, I had a really profound, strong experience where he was like, Jeff, I'm serious. Tell like, us about it. Huh. Yeah. So it was a morning where I had a church meeting. It was an early morning church meeting and my kids and my wife were still sleeping and so I got up early. Um, I would kneel, kneel down to say my prayer, prayers. And uh, in that moment, just like a strong, powerful, like spiritual experience where God like totally, you know, impressed upon my mind and my heart just like made me feel like, Jeff, I'm serious. Like this is something that needs to be done. These are my children and I want you to help me. And so uh, 
So I, you weren't even you weren't even thinking about it in that moment. In, in that moment, I was just working like you you know most chiropractors do. I mm-hmm. I worked a lot with um, I had some you know car accident patients and and then I had you know some of your sports injuries and stuff like that, and that was not even on my radar. And then and then I was like, okay, um, I guess I better start figuring out how the heck I'm going to do this, right? Yeah. From there, I'm just like keeping my eyes and ears open with every little technique that's out there, every little kind of thing that could be beneficial. And, you know, I heard about a technique and I'm like, okay, I'm flying to Pittsburgh to go learn this. And then I heard about another technique and I'm like, all right, I'm going to Atlanta and then to Seattle to learn this. And then and then I, I learned more about, okay, this doctor, he is known to actually help people detox the brain. Wow. And so, and he does it safely and effectively. And I'm like, okay, well, that's definitely a tool and, it, and something I need to learn. So I hired this coach and I've been, you know, worked with him for the last two to three years. And, and one of the things that impressed me about him is he had uh, an adopted son that he adopted at the age of seven that was on the spectrum. He was high functioning and he helped reverse all of his symptoms, you know, basically from doing this. So since then I'm constantly like, you know, have my, my eyes and ears open, just like, okay, anything that can actually potentially help. Um, I'm always like, you know, got like, you know, those, when you have a dog that's out in the yard and it hears that like little ruffle, it's like ears pop up. It's like, that's me, (laughs) you know, it's like, wait, what That can help with autism, you know? I love that analogy. Um, That's great. And so it's like, I'm always looking and always seeking to, um, to be able to, to find, you know, whatever resource. And, and, and the thing is, I know that God has the answers, right. And, and he's, uh, he's got the, the resources and, and I feel like this journey is, um, has pushed me in such a big way to where I've been really uncomfortable. And honestly, I haven't followed through in the way that I feel like I should. Cause again, we're now in 2020. So uncomfortable in what way? So in, in that it just, you didn't know what to do. Well, here, here's the thing, man, put, let, put yourself in my shoes yeah. for a second when I explain this. So it's one thing to work on, you know, maybe a vehicle or something, or um, maybe it's a f- piece of furniture. It's like, if you screw up, you screw up, right? You know, it's maybe it costs you a few hours or a little expense. Sure. And I, and it wasn't that I was afraid of screwing up, but I was more of afraid of failing. Yeah. And realizing that I'm asking parents to trust me with their kids. And especially when they've put so much time and effort and energy already, a lot of these families, you know, who knows how much money they've spent on care for their kids and the frustrations and the, and the hopes and the promises maybe that weren't really real promises that should have been made. Um, and, and all those challenges, it's like, man, how can I face a parent and look him in the eyes and say, I'm going to help your kid. And so I had so much doubt and fear in myself, probably more than anything. I, I knew with God, all things are possible, but at the same time, did I truly believe it? And, and that was, that's been something I've, I've had to work through. And again, like I mentioned, I'm so grateful for God's patience (laughs) because I've had some pretty sweet experiences over the years where he still continually is saying, Jeff, it's okay. Like you can keep going and, uh, and you're going to figure this out and we're going to get it and you're going to do great. And you, you know, you're already blessing people's lives and you'll be able to bless even more. I, I, can I stop you right there? Cause I, 
this whole the whole time you've been talking it's like jeff this is a life of service to me like everything you're doing whether it's you know your profession as a chiropractor now you're trying to break into helping people with autism like and and when i talked to you about the way i knew you before the reason that i find delight in you is because of the way you serve and you take care of people around you you've always done that you did that for me so one of the things you mentioned that i just i love is you you say God kind of led you. He's given you these feelings, right? Right. So, you know, talk about that a little bit more. So in the sense of, like, how how have you just really connected with that? How has he spoken to you? How how have you felt that this is the path that you're supposed to go down? Um, You know, it's, I think it, I think it reversed several years before, and I think I've, um, it would start with an experience I had even before I ever knew I was going to be a chiropractor. And, um, when I was in college and even, you know, as a kid and, and honestly, I feel like I've always had that privilege or blessing to know that God's aware of me. And that in spite of the tough times, like I know he's got my back as long as I'm striving to do my best. And there was, a there's a scripture that I came across that, you know, who, <clears throat> who knows how many times I've read it before, but I was probably like 23 or four at the time. And it's a scripture that touched my heart in such a profound way. So this was, again, I, I went to chiropractic school at the age of 29. So it was a second career for me. And, you know, the, the story about that is a whole nother God experience too to where, you know, even getting into this profession, I knew God was saying, hey, this is this is for you. And, um, you know, we could share about that another time if you ever sure. wanted. But, um, but I had a, I came across these scriptures and it's from the Book of Mormon. Um, it's uh, in a book called First Nephi. And the chapter is 17. And this, just to kind of give you background on this chapter. Um, so there's an ancient prophet named Nephi. And this is about, you know, five, six hundred years before Christ. And Nephi and his family, they live in in Jerusalem. They travel in the wilderness for years. They come to um, the ocean, and Nephi is basically told from God, like, I want you to build a ship, (laughs) and I want you to sail across this big, massive body of water. And what's cool about Nephi is he was confident enough to say, yeah, okay, I can do that. And I think the reason why is because he had previous experiences with God working through him that led him to be confident to know when God commands me, you know, I know he's going to help me out. And real quick. Yeah. Nephi was not a boat builder. Not at all. <laughs> so He had no so, clue. So for me, if I'm Nephi, God's like, hey, I need you to build this right. ship and cross this massive body of water. I'm going to go, oh, that's really good. The, the same reaction I had when I first had that impression yeah, to bet. serve autism, right? Right. So Nephi totally, I'm trying to like hang with that guy. (laughs) (laughs) That dude's like, you know, he's hall of fame in my book for sure. That's great. But, um, I love his response because he, he was so faithful and obedient in saying, okay, where should I get the tools? How should I do this? You know, what's the plan? God, you know, give me the blueprint Mm -hmm. and God's like, okay, here's what you need to do. So Nephi goes to work and he's at it and he's just like plugging away and he's got two big brothers that are, 
like think of like the brothers that would put you in a headlock and give you a noogie you know that's like <laughs> <laughs> whining right like no man like, yeah heck no yeah that those were his brothers layman and lemuel you yeah. know they just were constantly ridiculing you know just saying oh nephi you're lame you know you're stupid what are you <laughs> thinking like you really think you can build this boat um but i love nephi's response because he re- he reverts back to you know the example of Moses parting the Red Sea and leading the children of Israel out yeah. of out of Egypt, yep. and and you know that that's amazing there alone, right? But he's like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to tell you, and and so in verse fifty and fifty one, and and these these verses hit me in such a way at um, at that time in my life because I was so clueless with what I wanted to do with my career. Sure. Like I I uh, you know served a two-year mission, came home thinking like, okay, I'll have everything in line. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what in the heck? And I'm one <laughs> of those stubborn people though, that I'm like, I'm not satisfied with just doing something that's just going to give me, you know, provide for myself and my family. I want to really make an impact. Yeah. And Which I, was, I think naturally most of us want to do, Yeah. but we kind of, it's fall, trying to find, we've, we've disconnected that. from yeah. that. Right. Mm-hmm. But you stuck with it. Yeah, I was again like I mean I remember talking to leaders and mentors of mine and saying like and they would give me advice. Well, just find an honorable career that will provide well for your family, and God will be happy. And and I know He would. Um, mm-hmm. I know He would. But I was just like I'm not satisfied with that. So reading these verses like gave me so much hope and courage that I feel like without um, without um, having this experience, I don't think I could have. Uh, had the courage to, to say yes to um, the current mission I'm pursuing right now. And even the courage to marry a single mom with two kids and, and the courage to know that, um, you know, God's, God's in the details. And awesome. So the verses here, it's in 50 and 51. I have it memorized, but I'm going to read it so I don't, just in case I butcher <laughs> it. But um, it's, it says, and I said unto them, so this is Nephi talking to Laman and Lemuel. Basically, he's had enough hearing of their criticizing and them making fun of him and them saying he can't build this ship. And here's how Nephi responds. <clears throat> he said, I said unto them, if God had commanded me to do all things, I could do them. If he should command me that I should say unto this water, Be thou earth, it should be earth. And if I should say it, it would be done. And now if the Lord has such great power and has wrought so many miracles among the children of men, how is it that he cannot instruct me that I should build a ship? And I took that to heart in recognizing and thinking like, what's the ship God wants me to build? And what is it that I can do as far as having the faith and courage to do that? And so that was like and has been a foundational piece of really my belief and and my desire to want to want to serve is knowing that God has wrought so many miracles among so many wonderful people that have walked this earth. We are God's children, every single one of us. He is our father. And you know what? He knows Jeff Knight, and he loves me. So why can't he help me build my ship? And whatever ship that is, I'm happy to build it because I know he's on my side. So your ship is is this, and you and and you just felt it so strongly that it, it that it's this um, that 
practice to help autistic kids and their families. Yeah, of course, it helps the whole family. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a big part of it. So th- that idea of confidence, I struggle with my confidence so much. <laughs> like I, I, it's, it's been something like I, I used to be a pretty confident guy and uh, a few things that I've gone through in my life, like I just struggle with my confidence in, in myself and in what I'm capable of. And like hearing you talk about this is just so refreshing to me because it's like, of course, of course, if, if God asks you to do something, of course you can do it. You, you don't just have a prayer once in your life and, and read that scripture once in your life and have it all make sense and then feel confidence. Like what, what are some of the other things that you maybe have gone through that built your confidence up in God in a way that when you read that or when you had that morning prayer that you were able to take that into your heart and be like, well, yeah, of course, I'm going to go do, do this. this. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, no, it's a good question. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of that stemmed from, you know, the experience I had serving a two year mission in South America. Um learning the Spanish language, Dan, I know you know and understand the challenge that that is. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that was one of those times too, where it's like, really? Like you want me to do this and, and you think I can actually do this. And as a 19 year old, you know, young man, you know, having the faith to go for two years to, to serve. I mean, that was a huge faith building experience for me that, um, and then, of course, the experiences throughout that two years, but mm-hmm. but especially, you know, like learning the language, um, you know, going through the di- ups and downs. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're learning the language or not. A mission's hard no matter what. Right, Mike? Right. That's true. <laughs> um, and so Hoosier, the Hoosiers speak a different dialect. <laughs> they English, do. Though, for sure. <laughs> That's so, right. Anyway. So, um, I mean, that was obviously like a huge foundation for me. I think um, I grew up in a home where. Uh, where, you know, we had some tough times, um, you know, growing up and, and you guys, honestly, you probably don't realize how much of an impact you made in my life in, uh, 1995. Um, when, uh, when I had my sister died in a car accident and that same year, my parents were going through divorce and, um, your home was like a refuge for me. It really was. And, um, yeah, just being home wasn't uh, a place I wanted to spend a lot of time. Um, and and so I'm grateful for you guys uh, and your family and your parents and your sisters. And, you know, I love you guys dearly um, for, for that and for everything else, of course, and just the friendships. But... Um, you know, that was a tough time. That was definitely a dark time in our, my family's life, 1995. <laughs> we could uh, easily say, yeah, that was the year of hell for the Knight family. <laughs> um, you know, along from that, that same year, I had my oldest sister, uh, you know, she came close to dying from, you know, drunk driving. Um, my, my younger brother had to be um, hospitalized due to some uh, challenges from a and brain injury he had as a kid. Um, fortunately, he's doing phenomenal now. I mean, he's just incredible what he's been able to do. But that was a, a rough patch as well. And um, and then, of course, you know, the divorce and dealing with the grief of losing a loved one. Yeah. And um, kind of uh, having that moment as a, 
I was 14, 15 at the time and kind of thinking like, <laughs> what the heck yeah. is going on? Yeah. World, our world had just been flipped upside down. And so, you know, being able to navigate through that, like um, I love my older sister. She's such a sweet person and has an incredible spirit. But I, I witnessed firsthand how she handled the stress and she unfortunately turned to a, addictive behaviors and um, tried to numb out. Yeah, she sure did. And as a young teenage kid, I was like, wow, that's definitely not something I want. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm grateful for her example of showing me what I didn't want yeah. sure. because it did touch me enough to be like, OK, that's pretty clear. At the same time, I realized, you know, my mom had been through a lot and she's a saint and angel in my eyes. And um, I was like, I got to I got to be strong for her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, her support, her love, um, my friends, you know, you guys, um, you know, the local leaders of our church. I mean, they were just paramount as far as helping me out. Yeah. So I knew that I wasn't alone um, in spite of there was times where I felt alone. Uh, but I did feel in spite of the darkness and the tough times, God was still there mm-hmm. and that he did love me enough um, to provide, you know, support through people like you guys. Well, I, Jeff, I think it, as I listen to you, I'm like, gosh, you know, it, what a the circumstances that were you were faced with in 1995 as a 14-year-old kid about to turn 15. That's I know right. your birthday, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but, but the circumstances that you were up against can break someone. I mean, that right there alone can cause a young kid to become bitter and and not to the fault of the kid. Sure. I mean, this is, you, you got mountains in front of you all of a sudden, a divorce, death of a sister. All of a sudden, you've got another sister who is the oldest child in the family who is turning to drugs to numb out and drinking to numb out. And and here you are a young man who's just lost family members, who's losing, essentially losing a father mm-hmm. out of the home. Right. And, and in a position where a lot of us and a lot of people in the world would start to turn inward and become bitter and say, what the heck you did, but you also found a way to look at those around you and connect and to say, I gotta, I gotta worry about my mom. I got to worry about my younger brother. I've got to worry about what I'm doing with my life. If you don't mind, maybe can you talk about that? Because I, I think the audience that, that we hope to touch, we're going to have a lot of people that have probably been through some similar sure. some similarities to you. And maybe we don't. And, and maybe some have never experienced that, but have seen others go through it. And, and maybe there's some understanding that needs to be had around that. But but take us back to that time and, and what what decisions, what choices did you make that really turned your heart? Because as you talk about your future and what you're doing right now, this is a huge, I see a man that serves. Mm -hmm. I see a man that loves. I see a man that lifts. I see a man that is totally focused on doing something with his time on earth given to him by his God and creator to do something that blesses and benefits other people. That's phenomenal. From this kid that went through all this stuff, to this man who is totally focused on giving back and blessing people's lives. Incredible. That's brilliant. So what, what choices, if you can pinpoint some choices, what did you do that, that really opened the door or allowed you, enabled you to, to kind of grow into this man that you've become? Hmm. That's a, that's a tough question to answer. As <laughs> I'm asking as, you to turn back yeah, the clock, right? buddy. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, just thinking about things, I feel, um, you know, I feel like I was really blessed with, you know, in spite of the fact that my parents divorced, my extended family was incredible. Like they were a rock to me. I'm the second youngest grandchild on one side of the family and the third youngest grandchild on the other side of the family. Mm. And so I had a chance to see cousins and aunts and uncles and so many incredible examples in my life that their um, modeling really impacted me in such a powerful way. And, um, and even my grandfather who died at the, when I was seven years old, I think, I didn't have a chance to, uh, to get to know him very well on this earth, but his example um, was a motivator for me in many ways because of the goodness of who he was. And, and like I said, you know, those people and their examples truly touched my heart to where I saw the joy and the happiness in their lives by choosing to stay close to God that I knew like that, that's the only answer mm -hmm. that really is the only answer of how I can get through it. So I saw that. Did they I, start showing up for you around this time? Th they were always there to okay. some degree. Now, some of my um, aunts and uncles lived outside of the state and, but but I would say that was huge. Um, and then of course my local friendship, my local leaders, their examples, and just the constant inclusion of feeling loved and knowing that, knowing that I was loved and you could feel it and knowing the connection with these people that loved me. Also, we shared that connection with our belief in God. And so, so I feel like, I felt that love. So it gave me a desire to want to show love to others too. And, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I think some of us innately have certain characteristics and qualities. And for whatever reason, I always just had a de desire to want to be kind to others. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I truthfully could say growing up, I never had an enemy. Um, and, and I always tried to make that a priority. True story. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but anyways, so I think, you know, I, I realized the, the power that one person could do, and maybe I didn't understand it at the time, but I just knew like, Hey, if I'm nice, then I'll feel good. <laughs> and if I do good to people, then that makes me feel good. And, and if I, you know, even just say hi to someone in the hall at school or, or even just, you know, be nice, like you know, just because like, I didn't have any real reason not to right? Um, I think because I felt joy in doing that. And I think a lot of it was my mom was an incredible example of that. She totally was. Your mom is probably one of the premier examples of delight of anybody I know. She's awesome. I mean, she, she really is incredible. Loudest mom at the sports <laughs> games. <laughs> Definitely. Right. I'd I have love to, it. I had to tone her down several no, times, man. She wasn't as loud. She wasn't as loud as our dad, though. You can't. You can't. Yeah, but in a different way. Yeah. Dad's is usually Mike, Dad. James is usually Go, Chad. Yeah. Dad, anyway. Oh shoot! But she she's someone that always was giving and always like thinking of others before herself. So I saw her and and how she had a lot of friends because of that. So I was like, huh, you know, subconsciously, I probably just accepted that as like, well, if you want to have friends, be nice. Right. <laughs> and so, so, um, you know, again, I think there's really not a lot I can take credit for other than just 
I feel like maybe I was observant and had a chance to see um, the goodness in others that uh, inspired me. You know, like I remember seeing one of my cousins who had served a two-year mission and hearing him speak, and I was still a teenager at the time, and I was just like, wow, like I want to be like him. You felt it. And, and you know, I was like, if I could be like him, I, that would be awesome. And so it's like, well, what did he do mm-hmm. to get to that point? Well, okay, I'm going to try to be more like that. So I don't know if that answers your question, Mike, but because I feel like it's just a series of so many little things that lead up to it. And then once you create those good habits and you try to be consistent um, and the joy continues to come from serving and showing love and kindness, it's like, well, why wouldn't I want to continue to do that? No, granted, there's times where I've been very self-centered and where I've feel like I haven't been as focused on um, on loving others the way I need to. And when that happens, it's when I'm not allowing God to be my the master of my ship. Um, and when I feel like I'm trying to trust in myself and the arm of flesh or, or man more than I'm allowing myself to trust God. And I've seen that with, you know, and this is full circle with the autism thing. I've seen that with my profession is when I'm hiring coaches and I, and there was a time where I had probably literally like three or four different coaches at once. And it's like, well, that's a little extreme now that I look back at it, but I was trying to get answers from this guy and that guy and this person and that person when it's like, wait, time out, Jeff, who inspired you from the beginning? And it was God source. So, so it's like, why aren't you allowing him to be your business partner more? That's awesome. Mm. And to say, God, lead me and guide me because if I do need to engage in a relationship with this person or this group, then yeah, I'll do it. And and there's definitely times where I felt inspired to do those things. But I felt like I got to a point where I was just like searching and grabbing for too much and really not being able to grab and actually clasp onto it. And it was just going through my fingers. And, and I felt like I was treading water and I was actually feeling... It was the first time in my life I really started feeling anxiety yeah. because I knew I wasn't living up to what God had expected of me from that inspiration years before. And so it was affecting you know, my life. It was affecting my connection with my wife and my children. And especially there was times where I felt like I was just going through the motions with my relationship with God and where I'd go to church. And honestly, I hate to admit it, there'd be times in in our meetings where I'd be like, well, I was there in person yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but I don't think I got a lot out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was honestly because I feel like I was trying to do it on my own. Yeah. yeah. You're trying to, you, you kind of start to force things to happen right? rather than rely. I, I was talking to Dan earlier um, today. I've been reading a book by Dwayne, uh, excuse me, Wayne Dwyer. And he talks about um, like living your best life, like how to, like how to, basically kind of let go and and live your best life how to change your thought process and one of the things he talks about is is he talks about how there's a there's a very um there's an interesting line between desire and allowing things to happen and you have to desire and want it but once you start forcing the issue once you start turning it into what you foresee it to look like what you want it to be then you're kind of disconnecting from 
allowing things to happen. And Jeff, you've talked a lot about God today. Yeah. Hopefully some of our listeners out there, we, you know, we, we hope to, that we can get to an audience too that doesn't really necessarily believe in God. And so whatever you may call it, energy or whatever it is, sure. right? Once you start to force, you disconnect yourself with God or that energy, if you will. And you start to push and do things on your own. Well, unfortunately, you know, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I learn, the more I recognize I know nothing. Right. Like I am very, I, 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 there is so much knowledge out there that I don't have. And if there, yet if you live a way where you allow, where you go and you act and you do the best you can and, and you, and you work hard, but you're serving and you're lifting, then all of a sudden as you allow, things start to kind of unfold for you. Mm -hmm. And that's where all of a sudden you'll get these promptings. You'll get these, these, you know, God will reach out to you and, and, and let you know something. But if you're pushing so hard, unfortunately, it's kind of like you stop him from breaking through right. to you, right? Because you're not, you're not, you don't want to listen when you're forcing, when you're pushing and you, you see things one way, you become kind of encrusted to the point where, where you're not allowing God or that energy or that source um, your creator, if you will, to really break through to you because that's your choice. That's the, what you're not allowing. Exactly. And that, and from what I'm hearing from you is, is you've tried to going back to what you're saying about this time frame in your life back to 14, mm -hmm. close to 15, right? You, there's a, still a choice that you had to make. Sure. Because I, I see a, a child in that situation surrounded by those circumstances that could easily have turned to video games and just blocked everything out. Sure. And, and you know, whether you've got family in California, it's great or whatnot. You've got friends that are coming to knock on your door or whatnot. Um, it's, it's much easier to just leave me alone. Right. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it right now. I'm suffering. I'm going through a lot of pain. So Jeff, I, I look at, I look at the choices that you've made and, and, even as a young boy and, and through the example of others, maybe that made it easier for you, but ultimately that was your choice, you know? And, and as, as I, I look back at that time, as you're talking to me, I look at someone who has really chosen to connect, to plug in and connect with God, to connect with those people around you that are uplifting and that, that, that you see who had good energy um, and, and live the, the life the right way. And you decided to plug into them instead of going inward and, and just worrying about you and yourself. And that, to me, for what I'm hearing, I mean, that, that really lifted you up. Yeah. And it created this, like, it almost kind of created a, a path for you as, you as you allowed yourself to kind of come into this connection of, of good energy and, and God and people who are doing things the right way. For sure. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, and I'd be remiss to not even mention, you know, the support of my wife, like she's mm -hmm. been paramount. Um, you know, she's been supportive, you know, like, cause when we got married, I, w I wasn't a chiropractor. Um, I actually worked in business and did business to business sales. And when I had that inspiration to become a chiropractor, she was completely on board. It, she felt good about it. I felt good about it. We went down this journey and as we've gone forward, I mean, it's, you know, she's been a huge help because without her and she, she'll call me out on my stuff too, which is good. <laughs> um, and I'm grateful for that. But, uh, but yeah, it is a choice, Mike. It really is. And, and I think that's where we all have the opportunity to choose 
to be a victim or to say, hey, I'm going to take ownership for what I can. I can't control that my sister died. I can't control that this person did this to me or whatever it may be. And, and I know there's so many awful negative things that have happened to so many of us. But we can choose, you know, how we respond, how we react and choose how we show up every day. Um, but I can't change the circumstance. Right. And my wife has taught me a ton about that. And honestly, she'd be someone you'd, you guys would like to probably interview. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, just to give you a brief background on her, she was a, a widow at the age of 23, um, yeah. two little boys, you know, she was pregnant actually when her first husband died. And uh, her dad taught her a powerful lesson that he basically said, Ashley, you know, what happened is awful, right? But you can either choose to curse God and be bitter, or you can choose to accept him and allow him to help you and to try to wade through this trial with, with him versus being alone. And, wow. um, and that was, you know, her example has been really powerful for me and just the strength that she has. So, and that's the, the wonderful thing about this, this world and this life we live in is we're all here together. Mm -hmm. And when you succeed, Dan, and when you succeed, Mike, guess what? That builds me up. And when I succeed and when we do good things, we can help each other, even though we don't see each other all the time, we're strengthening each other no matter what, when we're choosing to, to take that higher path, right? You're, you're giving Absolutely. me the tingles, Jeff. Yes, <laughs> but it's true. You know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's a, it's a constant, it's a constant battle, right? A constant battle to strive to become the highest and best version of yourself and to, you know, opposition in all things. I know Mike, you mentioned that earlier when, before we were chatting and, and it's true. Um, it's just like the resistance you need to build muscle. It's, this mm -hmm. is the resistance that we need to build character, character and yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, T Dan, uh, just to quick. kind of wrap that section up real quick, real fast, oh, go ahead. I, but I got to correct myself. Oh, tingles doesn't sound tingles. Right. <laughs> Chills. I think we're just going to start. <laughs> calling. <laughs> we're, we're just going to call yeah. you tingles from now on. What's up, tingles? I, I got the, I got the chills. So I just, <laughs> I had to make that cause that sounded awful. So anyway, keep going. So no, I think that was really, um, so my question that kind of took you back to 95 was, you know, what in your life had you been through that allowed you to trust God in, to, in 2012 when that inspiration hit to just be like, okay, this is the boat that I'm going to build. This is what God told me to build. I'm going to go build it. And it was that 95 year that you went back to and you thought, well, this is the year where that faith in God started. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like it was from watching the examples of family members and close friends who also trusted God, you, you saw how that affected their life. Um, you, you just really uh, internalized a lot of what you saw from the people around you. And, and that kind of set you on that path of being able to be, I guess, to be soft enough to be to, for in 2012 to just be like, yeah, this is, yeah. This is what I've got to do because this is because I know how I've lived up until now. And so, of course, I'm going to go and build this boat mm -hmm. and start this practice and, and, and try and help these guys. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still building it. <laughs> and <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I love what you said right there to when you said to be soft enough, mm -hmm. like to actually hear. Well, cause so that, that's the thing, Mike is like one of the things that I'm really struggling with that I've struggled with since dad died. And this is back in 2008 
you know, is, is keeping myself soft enough to, to let things in. It's so easy to, I mean, it really is so easy to just kind of celebrate your sadness. I mean, it, it can feel good in a way because it's a, it's an emotion, you know, and, and you know what you get from it. Um, but to, but to say, to stay soft and kind of how you said to, to keep engaged and plugged in, like that's not easy to do when you're sad or, or when you've lost something. Um, and, and, and it's like that your ability to have maintained that throughout the course of, of your teenage years, which, which are hugely important yeah. years for all of us right. was like set the stage for what has been the rest of your life so far up until this point. And not only did he do that, but I remember looking back at that time frame in my life and you can imagine the struggles of a 15, 16, 17 year old boy, mm-hmm. right? Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you were, you were a light to me. Like no you, question. You, yeah. Right. Like you, Jeff, you, a lot of, a lot of the people that know you back then, you went through harder stuff than 98% of my friends. Mm-hmm. And yet, you were the one that we looked to as a great example. Well, and you always showed strength. up. Yeah. You always showed up for us for anything that we were going through. Yeah. And it's because you knew, like you knew what it was for people to, one of the things that I will always remember about once, you know, right after dad died or when he was going through the chemo and the, the crap that he had to go through, you know, like the, the thing that really stood out for me is there were people who would come and be like, if there's anything I can do, let, let me know. know. And I always appreciate that. Yeah, that always totally. means a lot because I know. You, you know what that's like. Yeah, right? I know they, sister. I really know that they would do anything. Yeah. But, but then there were those people who just knew that to show up. Show up. And, and it wasn't ever like anything magical. It never fixed anything. But like that showing up, like Henry Kessler coming by once a week or however often it was, it might have been daily, um, to bring dad something that made him laugh. I mean, that was huge. And then Ginger Gunn, who would make dad a pie every week. Like dad loved pies. And she she did that. She made her own homemade pies every freaking week. Like that's crazy. And and it's this these people who just know intuitively, like, I just got it. I I can't fix it. I can't make them not sad. I can't bring back this thing that they've lost, but I can be there. Right. And what you're saying is it's not necessarily the ask. It's just yes. doing something. Yes. It's just showing up. And just show up. Yeah, it, I agree. And, and, and Jeff, that's, as I look at your life, um, you did that for me. You do, you've done that for my mom. So for example, like, let me just tell you a little story about you, Jeff. All right, let's hear it. Uh, so every mother's <laughs> day, you don't just call your own mom. You call, Carolyn Gregson, you call my mom. And I know there's other women in your life that you do that for. And that's, that's, that's incredible to me. But not only that, um, when I was, you know, I, I've gone through some hard things, as you know, and, and, uh, was an alcoholic at one point in my life. And I came back when my father had brain cancer and, and, uh, had to drop everything I was doing and, and come show all my skeletons in the closet to a family who was a great family going through a lot a really dark and hard time. And here I show up and I've got nothing but baggage to bring home. I'm not, I'm not a strength or support. I, I can't even, I'm, I'm so inward. It's ridiculous. And you cared and you, you were the guy that 
you know, I didn't come to church every once in a while and you'd come knock on the door. And even if I didn't want to come talk to you, I think there were a couple times where I said, just tell them I'm asleep. But you showed up and I'll never forget that. And I was a drunk, literally a drunk. And, and there were times that I would hang out with you and, and I was drinking and, and or not drinking in the moment, but I was already drunk. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you recognize that. I would assume that you probably did. And yet you still spent time with me because you knew that would lift me. And when you and Ashley got married, I showed up and you asked me about this years later and you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But at your wedding dinner, right. um, I had my backpack and that was my, <laughs> that's what I carried around as an alcoholic. My, I carried around my alcohol in and I tried to hide it, but I, I showed up there and, and that's because I love you. And, and because I knew that no matter what, I had to be there because you've given me so much in my life and, and you've, you've brought me so much light into my life during some of my darkest times. But Jeff, that's who you are. Um, uh, you, those little things that you did for me during those darkest hours of my life changed so much for me because when I, in, a, in a moment in my life where I, I was suicidal, I didn't want to live anymore there was always a little glimmer of hope because people had taught me that I was worth it. And that's what you had done for me. And, and as I look back at your life and I'm like, Holy cow, you know, as far as a 14, 15 year old kid, you could have easily been there yourself, but you, you didn't allow that to happen. You stayed plugged in. You, you stayed connected to God and what he did for you and what he did leading you because you made that choice allowed you as a as you grew into your older years to turn around and to like pull people literally and you have no idea that you did half the stuff you did but I know a lot of our friends talk about you and what you've done for them and I mean you name it and and God used you because you stayed open to him he he used you to then reach back and and bless and change and, and frankly save a lot of people in their own lives. And, and I just, I, I, I look at the darkest moments in your life probably became some of the biggest blessings of your life to help you become who you are and to give you the path that you've got in life. That's a, yeah, no, it's a profound statement. It, I agree. And, and, you know, of course, Mike, it's, you know, I love you and um, love you and Dan and your family and, and yeah, it's. I think it ultimately comes out of motivation by love, right? But uh, but those darkest times, I mean, there is there's a plethora of things that we can learn, you know, from those those times if we choose to. Um, but you're right; it's we can have that choice to be bitter as well. And I don't know if you remember Mike though, but you were a huge light to me when my sister died. Um, I'll never forget, uh, my family and I, we went and picked up my sister who was a nanny in Connecticut at the time. She was working out there. We went to the airport, picked her up. We're driving home. This was probably literally maybe a day after my sister died. And Mike Gregson and Brant Thompson and Chuck Thompson are out there mowing our lawn, weeding our garden, and you'll never know like you said, Dan, just showing up, yeah. right? But um, so it's cool because it came full circle, right? And you blessed me at that time. And 
and I was grateful I had a chance to have an opportunity to do the same for you because you've always been a great friend um, and your family's been phenomenal and, you know, I love your, your family so much. But, um, you know, that's, that's so cool because cause we're, without realizing it and thinking of it at the t- moment, it's not like, it's not like uh, we're saying, oh, I owe Mike this. It's just naturally who you guys are too. And, um, but it's, uh, when we're in that tough time to know that we have someone that cares. Totally. I think something that's really coming out to me, um, during our conversation is, and, and, and I, I think this is a, a great lesson is show up. Right. right. And, and, and what's, sure. what's so funny is not funny, but what the reality of it is, even in those moments where we do show up, we might be in our own dark spots. Right. Right. But if, if we can get outside of ourselves and do something for somebody else and, and Dan, kind of what you were saying, maybe not ask the question, how can I help you? Just show up. But if we go and Because when you show up, up, you'll find out what needs to be done. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. in our darkest, maybe our darkest moments or some of our darkest hours, if we'll do that for somebody, Mm -hmm. it not only changes and blesses their life, maybe not change, but it blesses their life and, and, it helps them to to look up and connect but it does the same thing for our own lives i think what's interesting is that we all want to i think when something bad happens to someone we all kind of think about okay that well, pray you know, how you. terrible that is yeah. that, that that it happened and then you kind of think of like well what would that be like if it happened to me like what you know you kind of think how that would affect you and then you start thinking of like okay, well, how can I help? And, and usually it's like, well, I can't do anything big. I can't fix the problem. So there's not really much I can do. I'll send them a social media message with prayer hands. And maybe that'll, but that's, but that's, that's kind of like what we, that's what I'm getting to is yeah. there's no, there's never a magical fix that someone can come by and just be like, here, now everything's better. That's just not going to happen. That's yeah. not life. Right. But it's these small little things like Mike showing up to mow your lawn, right? You showing up like you inviting Mike to your to your wedding, not just your reception, but like the the dinner, like the the important like this is where the closest family members are. And and you and and you showing up like being in a bad place, but still showing up. That's the thing is it's like (laughs) these are small. Sorry, Jeff. (laughs) These are small acts that we all take. But when we make these small acts. Like it, it's that it's the combined uh, effect of those things on our lives that just are that mean the world to us. It, it's it, it because it because it kills loneliness. And and for me, when I am struggling, when I'm sad, when I'm when I'm internalizing, when I am isolating, um, I, someone coming and doing something, just making me feel like I'm not alone, uh, or that they care um, or that they saw something that they thought I'd like and they shared it with me. Like just those small little things make all the difference in the world mm-hmm. to me. And, and, and it keeps me that it's those things that keep me moving forward and, and believing that life can get better and, and, and that maybe at some point I can give back to somebody else who's lonely and, and, and feeling the weight of all of this, that's you awesome. know, in, in one moment. No, I love that you said, it's just so simple. Right. I love that you said too, that one time, one day, maybe I can give back to someone else that needs it. 
and that's it is a, it's just this constant ripple right yeah that's cool and the and the thing that i'm getting from you jeff is when you start and you start to be soft and you start to listen to the voice of god and you start to respond and react it grows mm-hmm. and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and eventually you're led to a life where you can you can serve other people and and allow that to provide for your family and for you but you but you're you're living a life of service and and God is taking care of you and to me that's a i mean that's that's beautiful and that's that's delightful if you will that but, is delightful uh, but I'm telling you, I, I, I think, Jeff, you've, you've taught me, you've, you've really brought this into the conversation today because I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like, God, this guy and everything you do and everything you talk about, you talk about connecting to God, making sure you're doing things the way. And, and there's been moments in your life where you, yeah, where you the, say I, you haven't. Yeah, they, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> please don't, no, anyone that's hearing this, no, I'm, but, I'm nowhere close to perfection, right? The, there's so many faults and challenges and obstacles sure. that you know i put in in, in my own way how to, boring would life be right if we were all perfect oh my for gosh sure. <laughs> but, but, so. the, but what i'm get what i'm trying to get at here is is and what is so cool to me is as you've opened up and you've tried you've tried the best you can to listen mm-hmm. that it's kind of like an avalanche it starts small right and then all of a sudden it grows and grows and grows and now and now you're you more so in your life, would you say that like you're more open, you're more receptive to when those promptings, if you will, come? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. And and again, it's, I think even as recent as say four or five months ago, I was in a place where I was relying too much on Jeff and not enough on God. And I've had those ups and downs where I've been really good and it's like everything's clicking, you mm-hmm. know? And it's just fallen into place and it's like, wow, this totally is just part of God's plan for me. And then there's a time where it's like, whoa, this has been kind of an off year, you know? <laughs> and notice how I said year, not just like day or week. Yeah. Um, but where it's like, dang, this has been a little off. What's going on? And of course, it's like I can't point out to anyone else. <laughs> it's like I gotta look at myself and and see, okay, what's what's what am I doing and and what or what am I not doing um that's keeping me from really tapping into that I got some I got some for you You ready I think I know what you're gonna say I'm stuck with the man in the mirror oh yeah that's right yeah no but that's that's very wise right I I think there's so many things in this life that cause us to want to blame because that's easy I mean it's it's we don't want to. We beat ourselves up enough that we don't want to continue to beat ourselves up with every little mistake or every little thing. We we want to take accountability for it. Sometimes we just want to break and want to say, "Oh, that was that that thing's fault or that person's fault, and that's not on me. That's on them." And, and it lightens our load a little bit. But when we really can look at ourselves, the sad thing though too about that. Sorry to interrupt. No, please. Is when we do that. It um, basically gives us permission to continue to stay in that negative space. It becomes a habit. Yeah. And then we never actually take the ownership and then we stay stuck. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we can start to take that ownership, even if we and recognize if we are making mistakes and say, okay, <laughs> this is where I'm failing or where I'm not doing my part, then it's like amazing how God will actually start to bring some more enlightenment just from that simple act of humility. 
versus like, yeah, that is that person's fault or this fault or it's not my fault or, or it was this, you know, and it's like responsibility and just taking that responsibility and, and yeah, recognizing things aren't going to be perfect, but choosing, choosing to make a choice that will be something you can have power over versus feeling like you're a victim. That's truly, exactly what I was going to say is, is yeah. a, that's a, that's a powerful thing is yeah. that, that ownership, the, the responsibility thing, it can seem scary. It's like, I don't want to have to deal with right. the, with the consequences of what I've chosen to do with life or whatever. Um, but if you don't, then life acts on you and you don't get to act because you've yeah. chosen not to. Yeah. But just choosing to take responsibility is an act in and of itself and it builds upon itself. And as you continue to act, that builds power. Mm-hmm. Um, own yourself. Yeah. Own yourself, yeah. right? Totally. And by doing that and by by owning yourself, you're able to kind of take accountability, look at the man in the mirror, yes. look him in the eye and say, okay, then I can start to gauge myself and say, what am I doing? Like when you say you've had an off year, right? Well, if you didn't own yourself, you, you're playing the blame game. Yeah. yeah. God, this, 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 yep. if only it changes and then we're waiting for it to change. But when we own ourselves, then like you said, Dan, we have the ability to act. And the only reason I know that is because I struggle with that <laughs> big time. Like I've, I, I, I've never, ex- I've never struggled with that. So please explain. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's, that's the thing that like, it, it, like we can all sit and talk about it, but I have struggled taking responsibility of so everything that I've done because it's scary. Sometimes it's, it can seem like it's too much. Sure. Um, but when you do like until you do, you can't apologize to anyone for anything because you haven't, realized what you've done you can't try and make amends for anything that you've done um i think taking responsibility of things is is one of the most empowering things that we can do is there such a thing as self vulnerability does that make sense it's like all of a sudden well we lie to ourselves all the time yeah so like all of a sudden we have to get vulnerable with ourselves we we have to be open and and recognize what those weaknesses are like, we just have to accept that that's who we are. And, yeah. and like at any one point in time, we might not be that person, but, but currently like your present moment, you are who you are. Own it because you have to like that. That's what gives you the ability to work through it. Otherwise you're just stuck. And I get so stuck so often. Um, and, and it's not until, I, f- I finally work up either the courage or the uh, the energy or whatever to finally be like, okay, I'm going to take this on and mm-hmm. and try and do something with I'm it. I'm asking him to make the change. <laughs> there, there you go. go. <laughs> okay. No, and, and the other challenge, though, is we know the right answers. Yeah. So we know how to show up that to look good. <laughs> yes. And to portray like, yeah, everything's good. I'm, I'm really I'm good fine. at that. We, we all know how to do that, <laughs> yeah. right? So that's the challenge is, you know, being true to yourself so that you can be true to others. And then, yeah. And then of course, you know, go from there, but yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. So tough. Jeff, would you, let's go back on that note of what you just said. Cause I think that's a really important thing. Um, how have you stayed true to yourself and true to others through some of the things that you've been through? Well, um, one thing's for sure. I'll, uh, I'll dance in the, 
in the street sometimes. No, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> With no shame, right? No, just joking. It's true. Um, it's actually, I've seen it. I think a few times. I, I try to make my kids, uh, you know, it's like the embarrassing dad thing, right? Love yeah. It. You got to be just like, hey. Dance party. It's like in the down the shopping, shopping in the shopping uh, center and you're just dancing. No, the, um, so but. laugh at <laughs> yourself, right? But, you know, um, so re- repeat your question. Sorry. No, so you're good. So, so, and honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> well, it was something about how to stay true to yourself. Yeah. So, so staying true to yourself um, and to other people, um, I think, I, l- let's just kind of go down that route for just a second. In the middle of some of those difficult things that you've been through, you know, whether it was when you were back in 95 or, or some of the things that you said you had a, you know, a difficult year yeah. recently. Um, how have you made sure to stay true to like what are what are things that you've done to make sure that you've stayed true to yourself and true to other people um hmm. i'd say well i think one thing is understanding the consequences of if i'm not going to remain true to myself or to others what is that going to look like on the other side so taking a moment to really think like mm. How is this going to impact me, my family, and others? Um, because whether I like it or not, I've, I've, uh, I've got a bigger circle of influence than I realize. Mm-hmm. And the most important ones, of course, are my wife and my children. But then I have a lot of people that trust and rely on me through my work that show up and come to me as a resource to help them. So I know that if I'm not being true to me or true to myself, then that can have a complete domino effect mm-hmm. in everyone's life that is in inside my circle of influence, right? And so I think understanding, kind of seeing that and realizing again the big picture of what our decisions really can do for the good or the bad. So I think that's a big thing um, and probably the biggest thing that has helped me to be able to maintain or at least realize I got to show up whether I like it or not because there are times where it can be tough and and what's interesting though when I'm when I'm maybe on the fence or I'm not like in the best place it's crazy I'll I, I see the consequences in in my life to where even my practice my work doesn't go as good as it should or could and and I see that directly affecting you know even you know financially too like with how well our practice does so if i'm being true to myself it's amazing how god is so good to blessing me even financially and it's not that the financial part is the is really the motivator it's because i'm choosing to serve his children and choosing to do good and that's just a bystander you know of seeing our practice grow or whatever is because i'm choosing to to be on on target with God, his plan, serving his children. And then guess what? Oh, by the way, here, you can be blessed in this way too. I'm just, I'm, I'm so in awe of the, the message that I'm getting from talking to you of just getting outside yourself. Yeah. Hold yourself accountable. Yep. There's a lot of little pieces here, but the main thing I'm getting from Jeff Knight is get outside yourself. Do something for somebody else take care of those around you Mm -hmm. and take care of those people in your circle of influence and i look back at your your example throughout your life and yeah jeff you're not perfect no one is but 
God, that, that's that you, what you're saying is how you've lived and you've lived that way for a long time. And because of that, um, there's been a lot of blessings that have come to your life and to so many others. And, and I, you know, I think about that for a minute, Dan and, and, and Jeff and, and some of those moments when we struggle. And I know going back to my time when I was in, in an alcoholic and I was making awful choices that were hurting my family, my friends, and I was showing up to my best friend's wedding <laughs> dinners, <laughs> like under the influence of alcohol, just trying to numb out. But, but like I had to be there cause I love you and, and I'm there's no way I could have missed that. Right. And, and yeah. that's the kind of person you are. But and as I'm in the middle of that, the focus is on me, yeah, me and, and me and, and how do I self-serve? But, but my, but I'm not looking at it as self-service. I'm just looking at it as I want to numb out. I'm so tired of all yeah. the, there's so much crap happening in my life and, and I can't, why can't I get a break and why am I going through this and why, 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 why? Mm-hmm. But everything you're saying is what brought me out of those moments. When, when I finally got to the point where I got down on my knees again and there was humility back in my life and I was able to look at the man in the mirror and I was able to say, I got to start owning this crap mm. because I've been blaming everything for so long. I got to start owning this crap. And maybe it initially it wasn't my fault. The, the thing that caused the whatever doesn't matter. But what pulled me out and got me through was when I finally learned I've got to get outside of myself. Mm-hmm. I've got to start thinking about others. I've got to go serve somebody else. And that's that's what I'm from this conversation today. That's th- that's the motivation for me is what you, from what you've been talking about, Jeff, is how can I start looking outwardly more than I do inwardly and knowing that as I do that. I am so blessed inwardly. Mm-hmm. My life is so blessed and those around me are so blessed if I can get outside of myself. Yeah. Right? Can I share a little thought? Please. Please. So a lot of you people maybe listening are familiar with the Bible and the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus Christ um, says this one great uh, teaching that has also been kind of a foundational thing I've, I've put my hat on, I guess, over the years. And, and I'll share with you my interpretation of it after. But it's uh, from the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And my Jeff Knight's imper- interpretation is, Put God first and he's got your back. <laughs> yeah. Um, he'll, he'll always be there. And, and if we just try to put him first... And, of course, the second great commandment is, is serving his children. Right. And that's putting him first is when we serve his children. Then all these things shall be added, added. unto you. Yeah. And so the, when I've really stuck to that and I've lived it and I've believed it, I've seen that come true time and time and time again to where all things are added unto me in the blessings that I need at this time. Now, this doesn't mean I'm some you know, super wealthy multimillionaire or, you know, whatever, but I, I've seen the blessings in so many ways. And, and, and it's when I do choose to put God first that even when those bad things happen, Mm -hmm. then I know that I can get through it easier because I can be more trusting and be like, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? And what can I learn from this? Because I'm, I'm so centered on striving to put him first that I know that anything that does or will happen to me, I can have that peace in my heart to be like, 
yeah, this sucks maybe, but okay, I got to learn something. And and this is easier said than done, of course, because there's times where, you know, certain challenges and trials, as you know, that can be absolutely just brutal and, and it, and it can take a lifetime to even get through it, you know, where it's not, it may not even, you might, you may not be able to get through it even in that year, two years, five years, 10 years, it, it could take decades or mm-hmm. maybe a lifetime. Right. But I feel like if, if I can put my trust there, then I can have that confidence to be like, okay, I'll get, I'll get through it somehow. It might, I might be stumbling. Um, you know, it reminds me of, you know, I think, uh, Forgive me if I butcher this, but I think it was Leo Tolstoy, a a Russian author, who talked about, you know what, we're all trying to get back to to God. And some of us may be drunk along that road, and we may be stumbling and falling, and we may be zigzagging down that road and actually tripping over rocks. But as long as we're still making that effort to get there, that's all that matters. And you and I, we can't point a finger and say, look at him or look at her. And that's totally unfair. But what we can do is stand back and applaud and say, keep going. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. We'd like to thank Dr. Jeff Knight again for joining us. Uh, Jeff is a chiropractor. He owns a practice called True North Chiropractic and Wellness Center in Kaysville, Utah. The URL there is truenorthchiro.com. Uh, Jeff, we're also excited to announce, has just had his nonprofit status approved for uh, his practice where he works with autistic kids. The URL there is autismwellnesscenter.org. Check it out. It's pretty great. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Come Towards the Light, where we try to connect with people who have delight and an uplifting story to share. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share our podcast and help us spread delight. One last thing, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback. Or if you know someone who has brought delight to you, please email us at cometowardsdelight at gmail.com. See See you you next time. time.